Welcome to our next edition of Financial Mythbusters. We're busting the myths. Well, it's really factor myth. Yeah, it is factor myth. So we'll see which ones are which. Yeah. Yeah. So you have curated. I have another list. I have of common financial statements that become <laughs> that a lot of people will abide by or listen to when in reality they really shouldn't. And it's the reason that they're stay stuck. The reason that they stay stuck. Yeah, and I've put some in that are kind of close. Like maybe it could go either way, and a couple facts. Okay. That I think are facts. Maybe you're going to call watch them a myth. I guess it's become, really up to you. Watch they end up becoming myths. Yeah. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Are you ready again? Yes. Number one. Fact or myth? You should buy a house at 9% interest. You should buy a house at 9% yes. interest. Yeah. Fact? Yep. The people are going to cry. <laughs> why not? Okay. Can you actually give me a reason on why you shouldn't? That's a lot of interest. It's a lot of interest? That's almost 10%. It is. That's good math. That's really <laughs> if good you math. round up, that is 10%. <laughs> if you round up. That's yeah, girl what's, math. That's what's girl wrong, math. What's wrong with 9% though? That's just a lot of... Would you buy a house at 15%? No. I would. Okay. Would you buy a house at 20%? No. Why not? Would you buy a house at 100%? Why not? Okay. I'm actually being serious. Okay. Here. Why? Why? Why not? Like, why wouldn't you? I mean, hundred seems a little ridiculous. But, like, <laughs> but why? But why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you buy a house at five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five percent? Um, well, I think most people buy at five, so let's call it ten, fifteen, and up. Yeah. Yeah. My house is at my house is on seven percent, seven point five, I think. But seven point five. Yeah, I think it's okay. like seven point five. Um, but what if I told you mine was three flat? I hate you. That's what I would say. I hate you. Yeah. No, but why? But but why not buy it 12 and 15 percent? I think seven and at 10 least and... me personally, the reason why I say I like nine percent is because everybody tells me not to pay nine percent for a house. I think it's just what everybody says. OK, so let's just put some context. So I'm a sheeple in this case. A sheeple. A sheep people. Oh, I'm a sheeple. Shit. Sheep people. <laughs> I'm a sheeple. I'm a sheeple. OK, continue. <laughs> so, so the reason that I say that. Is because I'm not usually focused on price. So price is the cost that you pay and value is actually what you get. Okay. So I'm usually focused on value, not price. Okay. So let's 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 do two scenarios. Scenario one, let's do your personal house. And scenario two, let's do a say a rental investment or a property investment of some sorts. So scenario one, it's your personal house. You don't think you should pay nine percent. Like would you pay now that you've been in your house for a little while and yours is at seven and a half, yeah, would you pay nine percent for it? I mean, yeah, because I've lived in it for a while. See, fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. No, so like, what? Because you're understanding the value of it. Now, yeah. Right. The, what it's providing for me. Yeah. So when you have differing interest rates and differing costs, right? All you have to be able to do to have it make sense is match the value to it. Now, did I ever say go out and overpay for the same property at a higher interest rate? No, I didn't. Yeah. So you always want to be finding value at a discount. So if the true value of an item is 100 grand, you're going to have to pay 9% for it. But if you pay 85 grand for it, you're up. And as long as you can support that monthly payment, one of two things is going to happen. One, interest rates are going to continue to go up and you're going to go subconsciously, you're going to go, I did great. What a win. Um, at 7.5%. And I think they've already gone up since they you have. actually bought. So they let's have. just say they're at 8 or 8.5% now. Already you're like, I beat that rate. So that's one of the things that could happen. And the second thing that could happen is that if rates go down, what can you do? Refi. 
you can refi. And a lot of banks have these programs that you can refinance for completely free for the life of the loan now because of what's happening. So that's how they're keeping their business running. Yeah. So one of two things is going to happen. Rates are going to go up or they're going to go down. If they go up, you won. If they go down, you can still correct it. So there's, in my eyes, there's no reason not to buy a house at 10, 15%. I love, I also love the people that, and this can transition into the, the uh, property investment scenario mm-hmm. too, the, the second scenario, in which I love the people that are like, I'm going to go out and raise money at 12, 14, 15%, but they won't use a bank at 8%. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, you you do know eight is less than 12, right? <laughs> like, man, yeah. Let's start there. Eight is smaller than 12. You should be able to use a bank. So it just ends up becoming the terms that make sense for the property value. So again, you have to match your cost, your price of what you actually pay to the actual value of the item that you're paying. So you can even take houses out of this. You could pay 10%. You could pay 15%. People buy things on credit cards all the time. What percentage are those? They don't even look at it. 27, 30, 35% (laughs) crazy. I don't even know how usury laws go that high. Yeah. But yet people will pay that on a credit card, but they won't buy a house at 8, 9, 10%. It doesn't make sense to me. What would be an example when you think that buying at 9% would be bad? Do not buy at 9%. Do not buy at 9%. It might be obvious to you, but yeah. See, that's actually a tough question for me to answer because it all depends on the value of the item. Okay, so make up a make up a value of an item like say it's a rental property. When okay. should you not buy a rental property at nine percent? You should not buy a rental property at nine percent when your gross return is seven percent. Because you'd be in the hole. Because you're going to lose two percent yeah. per year just yeah. b- before expenses. Yeah. So, in that scenario, that's why it goes back to understanding the true value of an item. Like if 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 other people are deterred at nine percent, ten percent. And you have the opportunity to go into a negotiation and go into a seller and let them know, like, hey, I need to get it at this price because interest rates are where they're at. And they drop that price for you. You just acquired value at a discount. So why wouldn't you do that? You have to be able to price it in one way or another. So it's either on your cost up front or it's on the back end through the sale or through the uh, through you paying the interest. Okay, so we said factor myth and we said you should buy a house at 9% interest. You're saying this is fact. I think... That that is a fact. But, and as an example, just like money where mouth is, we walked a property today. We have two or three deals that we're working on right now. And I think the best rate that we have right now that we're working with is eight and a half percent. And some people would see that and be like, I could, I would never, I would and, never do that. Right. And all of these are great deals because all they're looking at is what the cost is. They're not looking at the actual value. They, they are the same people that go, I'm going to buy that because it's on sale and I'm going to save 10 bucks. Like, no, you didn't save 10 bucks. You spent 20. What's it actually worth? Right. Did you actually need that item or did you just buy it because it was on sale and, and spend the money? Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. is why you always say you're like, I'd rather just spend the, the actual cost of the item if I need it than, than buy things on sale. I almost never look at the price of something up front. It's like if you go to the gas station. Do you ever look at the ga- price I, of gas? We talk about this all the time. I Unless you actually don't have the money in your account to buy gas, I don't understand why people will pull up an app and look at the three cents difference between <laughs> the one here and the one across town. You need the gas anyway. Pull your car into the freaking gas station. Put your card in and pay for the gas. I didn't know. You how, need it. This is a... The, yes. I because I, my mother does it. <laughs> Melissa. So pull up the Listen app. Listen to us, Missy. Yes. It'll be Listen. 15 minutes out of her way to get gas five cents cheaper. Which... Which wastes her time. It wastes the gas to get there. 
Yeah, you're at, you're at a net loss by and the time you not, get to the other place. She's not in a position where she needs to really save the money. Like six figure. Like I said, if you like, if you're like really pinching pennies, like really cannot. Af- I understand if you like can't even fill your tank. That's one thing. Yeah. But like, I just don't look at the price of gas because I need it and it, it has value to me anyway. Yeah, exactly that. And if you have a three cent difference somewhere over the course of that entire tank, it's like a ninety cent difference. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, it's nothing usable. So, yes, yeah the start of my compounding right but yes i absolutely think fact on you should buy a house at nine percent because it's not the cost that matters it's the value and correlation that you get with it next fact or myth everyone should have a credit card so this one mm. is mostly said when somebody turns 18 it's always the first thing you should do when you turn 18 this is financial advice all the time that I hear, as soon as you turn 18, you should go get your own credit card and start putting things on a credit card to build your credit. Fact or myth? I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's horrible advice. Okay, so you're saying it's a myth I'm that gonna, everyone ha- should have a credit card. Yeah, I'm going to go myth. Okay, why? So credit cards are right up there with 401k. They're the devil. Okay. Not because... Just like in some cases, people with 401ks do really well, like very small percentage. I mean, very small percentage, yeah. right? They're also far more financially savvy than others. They're not typically your typical person. Credit cards destroy far more people than they help. Now, the argument that I'm going to get, I already hear it. The argument that I'm going to get. Oh, I'm going to argue with you. Free so. points, <laughs> free, free money, and you get cash back and all that. You don't become financially wealthy from points. Oh, I agree with that. I think they're used- <laughs> I No, I agree that you won't become wealthy. I'm not saying it should be a tactic to become a millionaire. Yeah. Okay. But they work for some people. A credit card works wonders for me. I love a credit card. So that and that is where luckily the way that it's worded is it's a myth because everybody shouldn't get a credit card. Okay, I can agree with that. So everybody shouldn't get a credit card. I do agree that one, you are let's just use you and I. Okay. This is actually a really good comparison. Okay. Because I statistically am a 1% earner and you can run through all the statistics of it and like right in that 1%. Well, did you know that right. I'm also a 1% earner for my age? For your age? Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't forget. Don't compare us. Don't forget. That's awesome. I love that. I love that you remember that. That made that. So as a 1% earner, I don't use credit cards. Okay, so why don't you I, use a I have I I have one that is active that has an annual oh I might have two that is active, but either way I don't use them, but they're just annual expenses of like uh it's like fifty bucks a year or something like that for them to stay open. The reason I do not use them is that I get myself in trouble with them. I th- there is something internally with me, they're like gift cards to me. It's like fr- <laughs> I'm serious. They're like free money. Actually, you have a track record with credit cards. That's not great. I Yeah, that's how I originally got myself in financial trouble with credit cards. Yeah. And then even being a high income earner now and being financially responsible and understanding how the game works and everything, they are still, they would still be my biggest struggle if I used them. So when we, when we've used them in business, I've always had to be on top of like extreme focused to be on top of it. Because I could lose track of it. It was it was just so it was very easy to just it's very easy to let them go. So for to me, like I don't use credit cards because I know me. I'm not yeah. a credit card person. 
but you you're great with them yeah so i use my credit cards i have two of them i have a personal one and then a business one yeah and i use them to track my spending every month because i feel like it's the easiest way so i pay them off at the first of every month i don't let money roll over on them like i'm not going to let my balance roll so yeah. they get paid off every month there's never like i never have like fees or anything like that or like i don't actually pay like the interest on them yeah. um and then I can see how much I paid, like spent during the month. So it's like a little game for me to keep, see how like, how I, where I can keep the number, like a fun little, like, oh, I did so good this month. But, um, and then I use the points to my advantage because I travel so much. So my, um, business credit card is a, is like a United one. So I have like, like three or four free flights right now. And then on my other one, my personal one, I have like $900 in cash back. I can pull out at any time. Yeah. And I, I, but that, that works for me. And I stay organized with it. And it's the easiest way for me to pay my bills because I know on the first of every month I pay all of that off. So those are awesome bonuses. That yeah. It's great that you're able to utilize that. And I've utilized those in the past. Don't get me wrong. But when I look at my life, when you continue to add things to your life, when you continue to build your life out, like it just became an extra step for me. I think it'll be really good for people to hear you say that because as a millionaire, you saying I can't use credit cards, I struggle with credit cards, yeah. it will make people, it's not, they're not alone in that because there's so many people who struggle with that. I have friends who are like, I can't have a credit card because I know that I won't be great with them. Yeah, it's... And it, people make them feel stupid. They're like, you you need a credit card, you need to build your credit, you're never going to be able to buy a house. What's... <laughs> you don't need a credit card for that, but you can become your own bank for that. Yeah. But on the credit card front... Yeah, a great example is like, oh, you'll never have it. You, you, you'll struggle with credit and things will be more expensive then. That's also not true. So I don't have any credit cards, but yet my credit score, which we finally looked up because of our conversation the other yeah. day. We're like, what is my credit score? It's like just under 800. So plenty high to get a loan from for whatever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want, for the most part, right? Yeah. That makes financial sense. But just on just on a credit front so so the the credit score and having to have credit cards and build the credit now i not not everyone should but if you are responsible in that and organized and structured the way that you are and the benefits that you run i can totally see why you do though i honestly feel we talked about this when i when i i came to you like a month ago and i was like i need some help with my finances i feel like a train wreck and i realized the solution to that was just adding the second credit card so that i could stay organized i feel much more organized and structured with the credit cards you because you have a business and a personal yes now. and i yeah. have both where like before i just felt like my finances and not chaos like i was overspending or anything i just wasn't like i not 100 sure of where everything was going yeah i didn't know where things yeah. were going I'd, i had things coming out at random points in the month and i just wasn't comfortable with it so yeah. the credit cards helped me a lot with that it's amazing how after buying a house that happens yeah <laughs> things yeah just, things just leave you yeah you're like where's all this money going and how what what account where's it you know what happened yeah yeah so to everybody have a credit card no i think that's a myth if it would have been worded as some people who are capable and able uh, that would have been more of a discussion for me because I do see people use them extremely well. Dustin's an example of that. Dustin, it's so funny. He'll send me videos and text messages of like, I'm telling like $5,000 in Amazon gift cards <laughs> because like they have so many points. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like $1,000 to yeah. Nike or $1,000 to this or that. Yeah. And it's, and it's awesome. So like all that's amazing. But the other thing is I think people, somebody in his position who, you know, multi-million dollar earner, uh, very financial stable, very responsible with money, understands how it works, responsible in business. Somebody like that 
it's a it can be a, it can be an asset. I, I I look at YouTube very similar in that sense. Yeah, like that it, it's being used as an asset for me. Yeah, I just know I struggle with them, so I don't I don't use them. Yeah. Okay. So number two is a myth. I'm gonna call it a myth. All right. Moving on. Number three, fact or myth. Once you have kids, you throw away your own goals and dreams for theirs. So this one I we came up with because a lot of the time you'll hear like say a mom she has a kid and then she has a goal and she, you ask her why why can't you pursue that goal and she's like why well, I have kids and they have their own goals so I'm gonna pursue theirs for them. That one makes me that one makes me sick. It makes me want to throw up. Okay. I hate that one. I hate I hate people's excuse for their financial insecurities being oh because my kids. It makes me sick. Like or or the person who's financially successful and goes it's because they don't have kids. No, you're also an idiot. <laughs> so the secret to success is kids in my opinion. Like they will keep you consistent if you have the right mindset about it. And if you want your kids to have great goals, right? And to have dreams, what's the best way for them to do that? Exemplify it. Maybe show them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Live it. Yeah. Experience it. The kid who understands love is not the one who's told about it. He's the one who experiences it. I've never seen a kid who has bigger goals than Wyatt. Like bigger ambitions. <laughs> What was you told me a story the other day about something he he wanted to buy the, what was like the whole earth or what did he want to buy? He did ask to buy. Now he was going to buy Ohio. And he's like, I'm going to buy the United States. I'm like, that's awesome. Happened once in Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> you can look up that purchase, by the way. <laughs> you can Google the name of it. So yeah, the other day he told me he wants to buy like somebody was like, oh, I want to have like a small puppy. He's like, I'm going to have a shark. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that because he's, he's experiencing it. I want them to experience larger dreams and different experiences. Yeah. That way they can think different too. Yeah, it's not the person who's told about it. It's the person who experiences it. So what did kids do for you? What do they do for me? Yeah. Uh, they look at me every day and they go, I need to eat today too. That's <laughs> weird. You ate yesterday. No, it's just they, they – so before kids, before Wyatt, I, I, I would make money. But then I would stop. I was very inconsistent. Yeah. So I would get a bunch of money in the bank and then I would like play GTA for six months straight. Right? Yeah. And then until I ran out of money and then I would go make a bunch of money. Oh, the, the, so the, the wall didn't stay behind me. Like if you back your if you put your back against the wall, like you're going to figure out who you are. Right? Yeah. So whenever my back would be against the wall, I would go out and create and bring value to the marketplace and make a bunch of money. But then that wall would get further away. Cause I got comfortable and then I would chill for a while and I would be on this income roller coaster that is just, it's actually exhausting. So when we found out we were pregnant with Wyatt, all of that went away. <laughs> You're like, Oh, I have to feed three people now. Yeah. Just naturally and subconsciously completely went away. So kids being the reason for your uh, woes, your financial difficulties or your lack of dreams or lack of action towards your dreams to me is completely ridiculous. Right. Because you have the ability to go from struggling paycheck to paycheck or having these issues to working towards stability and then working towards thriving. And they'll get to go along that journey with you. Right. Yeah. It's it's they get to experience that journey with you. So they'll become stronger because of it. So it's a, that that one's that that one always makes me want to throw up when I hear people say that. OK, so kids. They're not going to ruin your life. They're not going to ruin your dreams. They're not going to ruin your goals. No, they amplify everything. Yeah. So if you're already good. They're going to amplify that. Yeah, because especially because you want you wanting to set them up for success is another. It makes you work harder, too. Like, yeah. it's not just you have to feed them. It's that you want them to do better than you are doing now. 
Yeah, any true Which leader, would be really good. <laughs> yeah, any true leader, whoever they're working with, they want that person to go further than them. That's the, that's the meaning of teacher and coach and mentor. Yeah. Right? That's a leader. The leader wants the person below or behind to catch up and surpass them. them. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you advance things forward. The person who doesn't want that, right, is just selfish. That's right. it. They're there for their own ego and they're there for their own words of affirmation and their own pedestal. They're not there to actually move the needle or move people forward. I feel like this also, in a sense, dips your toe in the idea, like the statement, like you shouldn't live through your kids. Like you shouldn't stop your own life for your kids. No, living through your kids just means like you you have an internal identity issue. Yeah, because a lot of people will have kids and then they pour their entire life and energy and everything into their kids. Yeah. In an, uh, like to an unhealthy point. Yeah, that, that yeah. would be like me going to Wyatt and be like, you have to play baseball. Because yeah. you have to go pro because I didn't. Yeah. Like, he's not going to love that. If he so chooses baseball, which he's showing, showing more interest in, which is exciting to me because it's my favorite sport. But he has to choose on his own what he wants. He's his own person. So many people are going to play this game of, like, I'm just going to point you in the direction that I wanted. That way I have a better experience. And it's, it's exhausting. I, I hate seeing that. What if he comes to and he's like, Dad, I want a, <laughs> Dad, I want a 401k. I want a 401k. Dad, I want to invest in crypto. Then what? You know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Then will you, then will you condone living through your kids to tell him no? <laughs> you know, it's fine. I read him a Bible story last night. It was about the parable of, uh, oh man, what's it called? It's the parable. It's the parable with the servants. The parable of, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it now. But, ba- but basically, the master is leaving. Sorry, that was our producer coughing. Yeah, geez, no. Mind your own business. <clears throat> you need a drink, buddy? No, I'm great. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. I'm leaving this in. Yeah, 100% leaving this in. Go ahead, continue. Everybody comment down below what you think of Nolan interrupting everybody. Rate his cough on a scale from one to ten. <laughs> yeah, raise, yeah, I actually want... Yeah, if you th- thought that was entertaining, give this podcast a subscribe and a like. Yes, thank you. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> the parable the yeah the yeah the parable so basically the master is leaving for a period of time and he gives all the servants uh, a pound oh it's parable of the pound there we go <laughs> you can do this i see what i did uh so so he gives everyone one pound all the servants one pound and when he comes back he says hey how did you i'm summarizing this but hey how did you do with the pound and the first servant says hey i invested your pound and now i have 10 pounds he's like that's fantastic you're gonna get to rule over 10 cities now and the second servant is like, I invested as well, and I made five pounds back. He's like, that's fantastic. You're going to get to earn, you, now you get to rule over five cities. And the last one, he's talking to me, he's like, and how did you do with the pound? He was like, oh, I, so I put it in the sack or this cloth to protect it because I was afraid I was going to lose it and I wanted to be able to give it back to you. And he orders that servant to give his coin or his pound to the person, the servant who had 10 pounds, who earned 10 pounds. Which is exactly what we're doing in life. Okay. Because it's all opportunity-based. It's all understanding of how to maximize what you have in front of you. So, in reading that to Wyatt, to the 401k, he literally stopped me during this. He said, is this what we're doing with the buildings? Because we just walked an office building together. Mm. He says, is this what we're doing? And I said, yes. And he was like... That's why we're going to get more buildings. I was like, exactly. We want to be the servant with 10 pounds. So I bet 
He will never bring up a 401k to me because he's not experiencing a 401k. Because you're not living through him and you're, you have your own life and your own business. Exactly. And he's observing all of it. And he gets all the experiences with it and I take them with me. Wonderful. So we're calling this one a myth. Uh, yes. Okay. Number four. This one's a, this one's a tough one. This one you kind of have, I have a lot of firsthand experience with this one. Um, if you love something, you should make it your job or monetize it. If you love something, you should monetize it. So like a hobby or something that you do for fun. Like if you love something, you should make it a job. Become an entrepreneur. No, no, I don't think so. Have you ever experienced this? Yes. Okay. Yes, I have. Well, I should say that I've considered the things that I, that I love wanting to monetize them. Yeah. So an example might be like, I love video games. So I considered, uh, streaming them at one point and like turning that into a line of revenue or like sharing it with people. Right. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, their lives suck. Like no matter how much money they make, their lives suck. And, and it's because they are confined to that space, that Avenue, no matter what. Right. Yeah. Until they can, until they become large enough that it, it can actually become an asset. Like a lot of these, uh, a lot of people who watch the gaming streams or anything like that, they think like, oh, they're rich or they're wealthy and they're business people and they're entrepreneurs. They're actually not. So they are an employer contractor of the actual business. So a lot of times they're just high, they're just high earning contractors or high earning employees. That's it. High income earners. That's yeah. it. They're not actually business owners. Their their merchandising store on Spotify or where or Spotify or Shopify or Teespring or wherever the, wherever their merchandising is is yeah. more of a business than their streaming is. Than their streaming actually is. It's just their streaming makes a lot more. Once you start to understand that, so no, I don't I don't believe so for the simple fact that I want you to be able to be passionate and enjoy what you do, especially in business. But it's not necessary. Like you need to be able to do what's necessary. So I don't. So I like real estate. I like coaching. I like mentorship. I like doing this, right? I like all these things. But you don't have to love you don't you don't you don't find what you love, you develop it. Yeah. Right? Like at first, I didn't necessarily love real estate right off the bat as I was getting kicked in the teeth left and right. But I stuck with it and then I developed a love for it or a like for it over time. And then I saw the different benefits of it. And then usually once you improve at something, you get good at something, you don't usually hate too many things that you're good at. Yeah. It's not common that you're like, I'm really good at that. I no. hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not really a thing. Yeah. So if you're trying to monetize all of your hobbies and the things that you love, you'll start to find that maybe you don't love that thing anymore when it's dependent upon your revenue or your revenue is dependent upon it. I agree. I love to travel so much. You do. And I tried to, for a while, make my, like, tr- travel, like, as an influencer. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, working for a little bit there. And then Which I was, you like... you really liked on YouTube. That was, like, the thing yeah, that you liked. Yeah. Okay. I think if it were, like, that type of travel, I might like it more. But, like, it... Maybe not. It just wasn't... It wasn't working for me. And it started to feel like a job. For example, um, one of my friends is a YouTuber. We took a trip for her birthday yeah. like a, and she got everything sponsored because she's a, an influencer. Yeah. And so she got like the hotel sponsored, I think. And she and got then, like a lot, a lot of subs and all that. Yeah. yeah she's got a lot yeah, of subs. She, does she got like a hotel and like a couple of our excursions and things like that sponsored, like um, a few outfits she had to wear, things like that. And um, 
it was a really fun trip like we, we really did have fun but there were like a lot of po- we came back and she was like i'll never do that again and i was like well why and she's like because i didn't enjoy myself for even one second of the trip i felt like i was working the whole time there was always content to, do, to be produced there was always a job to be done and it was my birthday and i couldn't even like really enjoy fully enjoy it because we were just working the whole time and i realized that when i i was like i agree and i won't do it anymore because I would rather go on the trip, which is what I love. Travel is what I love. I'd rather work. I also love photography, but I'd rather work and then travel and it not be my job. Not everything has to be a job. Not everything has to make you money. Yeah. I think it's actually healthier if it doesn't. Yeah. Because at one point I was like, oh, I can make everything make me money. And then everything becomes a job and you're like, why do I feel miserable and burnt out? Yeah. And everything can make you money. But at what, at what point do you get diminishing returns too? Yeah. So like you can be structured in what you do in creating revenue and creating capital and not have to wake up loving it every single day. Yeah. It's very, it's very possible. Like there's a lot of things in real estate, like, uh, what's a good example. Okay. So like in coaching, I love coaching, right? I love the mentorship. I love teaching, right? Do I love writing PowerPoints? <laughs> No. no, it takes you so long to do it too no. because you have to drag your feet to get them done. But it's a, well, no, it's not that. It's a ton of work. Yeah, it's a ton of work. Like yeah. to be able to take someone from point A from here to here, point A to point B, like in their business or in their life. That's a lot. Of, that's that's a lot. That's a yeah. That's a big responsibility, especially when people are going to invest their hard-earned capital into it. So it has to be really, really good, and has to get people results. And what I've learned over the past decade of doing it. Like I got better over time as well, is that, yeah, I don't love writing the PowerPoints, but what I really love is when I see the light bulb go off and it changes their life forever. So the pain piece up front is very much worth the comfort that's going to follow. Yeah. Like some days, I don't really love waiting all day to go to a photo shoot at 7 p.m. Some days I'm yeah. like, wouldn't it be nice to eat dinner with my family or to go out <laughs> with my friends? Or to just simply not be working at the odd hour of 7 p.m. for a photo shoot. But then when I return the photos, they're like, first of all, they turn out like sunset photos and that's my favorite and I love them. But then somebody else is like, oh my goodness, I love these so much. Thank you so much. It's like, okay, it was worth it. Yeah. But some days I don't love it. Yeah, because you're willing to do what's necessary or or requ- or required. Yes, because like I could on I could work during normal hours. I could schedule my photo shoots at three o'clock instead, or ten o'clock, or noon. But for what I do, it doesn't it doesn't look nearly as good. The lighting. Yeah. So that that's why I have to shoot at seven p.m. Here's why I, here's why I'll close this with a definite myth. Here's the other problem that people run into when they're like, I'm going to monetize my hobby and what I love. They're trying to only work when they feel good. Yes. Which, by the way, yes, during your hobby, you normally feel good. Yeah. But once you turn it into a job and it no longer feels good, you're not going to want to do it. So you have to solve the root problem that you have to be able to develop enough grit to work even when you don't want to for periods of time. That's why creative struggles so hard. We've talked about this. Oh, creative, sir. You guys. I'm not going to put you in that. I'm not going to put you in that. You're super organized. But, oh, man creatives really struggle because they well because they have this wild stallion running inside their head and this thing's just taking them for a ride and they don't know how to put structure or walls around their creativity and put a schedule around it that way they can actually be productive they're yeah. like oh i'm gonna I, I i like to write when i feel a creative or i like to do this when i feel a creative like you can create that 
by structuring it into your day for hey for two hours during this day at this time this is the only thing i'm going to do and if i'm not feeling it at that moment i'm not allowed to do anything else and you have to sit in it yeah so you start building structures and walls and and boundaries around your actual creativity that way you can actually get better or create progress yeah creatives are extremely difficult to nail down yeah so we're saying absolute myth absolute myth you should not make everything you love your job you should not you yeah because the, 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 sta- yeah. the statement was you should you should yeah, you yeah, should. yeah yeah sorry so we're saying that you should not yes yeah we're saying we should everything that you love a revenue stream yeah okay next one um there is no definition to success there's no definition to success yeah so like there's no point at which everybody is successful like you have to reach a certain a certain threshold to yeah, be successful. Success is different to everybody. Yes. I would say it's a fact that success is different to everybody. Okay. In my opinion. Well, let me ask you first. What's your opinion of success? What's your definition of success? Do you have one? I don't have one. You don't have one? I don't. There's not, not a, there's not a number in my head where I'm like if I'm making this much a year I'm successful. It's more of a feeling. Okay. Like so I so feel. mine is based in awareness. Okay. So my definition of success is that you are aware that you're making the choices that you are each and every day to get the result that you have. If you're aware of that, like if you go to work every single day and you're aware that you're making the choice to go to that work every single day and you have the results that you do, that's a success in my eyes because you're aware that you're making the choice. That's a really good definition of success. Conformity, on the other hand, of like, hey, I'm going to work every day because everyone else does, that's the ultimate failure. Yeah. So if you are aware of the decisions that you're making to get the results that you have, I believe that you are a success because you have ownership and you have the ability to change it then. Yeah. Yeah. So if you so choose to go to work every single day, be under that authority and get the results that you have, that's awesome. Like I yeah. took my cap to you. Like I was never able to do that. So there, that takes a really strong person. I get like, I seriously, I have a ton of respect for that. But if you are the person, that same person who's going to work every day and complaining about it and not realizing that they're making the choice to actually get up and go failure i like that that's my definition of success that's really good i I guess i meant with this one there's just no there's no number you need to have in your bank account to be successful there's no job you need to have Mm -mm. yeah no because if there was that actual definition everybody would just go for that one definition yeah everybody would go for that one job that was an easy one yeah so i i mean there's a lot of unsuccessful professional athletes out there that would that's yeah, a wild thought. Yeah, that's very true. That's a wild thought. It's everyone's dream, right? Yes. There's a lot of unsuccessful, unhappy athletes out there. There's a lot of unsuccessful or yes, unhappy entrepreneurs. Oh yeah. Like millionaires. There's there's a lot of unhappy billionaires out there. Yeah. Yeah. And to you they're you're like, oh, they're so successful. Yeah. And before everyone goes like, Oh, he doesn't know any billionaires, how do you know that? I actually know three. They all happen to be happy though. I'm one of them. They all happen. They all happen to be happy. Those, those all happen to be happy though. From, in, in my, in, in my, in my experience. But the first billionaire I ever met was Fred Smith because I worked at FedEx. Who's Fred Smith? He owns. He started FedEx. He's okay. Owned, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was. He was. He was the first billionaire I ever met, and then I met a couple more after that. But yeah. He's mm-hmm. happy. Yeah. He really. Man. He had a. He had a poise. And a calmness to him that I had never experienced before until I met him, until I got to shake his hand. Because I was still at FedEx at that time. And you're like, I want to be that. No joke. <laughs> yeah. I, I, here's what's so funny about that moment. Just it's like a little sidebar. 
everybody got dressed up and did, you know what I mean? They were like, oh, you got to dress nice. And everyone's like suits and ties because, you know, Fred's coming in. Naturally, I dressed like, like you do. And like he's wearing right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was quite down to this. I think I, I think there was a dress code. I think I had like khakis or something on. But either way, um, he came through and he was the easiest person in the building to speak to. That's when it clicked with me. Like, oh, you don't build anything unless people want to interact with you. That was that was such a lesson that day because he came through and he was so easy to talk to and everyone was so crazy nervous and everything. And he was the smoothest, easiest person to speak to in that entire room. There's 600 people in the room. Yeah. Yep. That was a big lesson that I got that day. He was the first billionaire that I, like true billionaire that I ever met. That's good. So uh, success is going to look different for everybody. It's going to look different for everybody. But I really like the awareness thing. I think if everybody lived by that, if they're just everybody aware. would be way more successful yeah if they're just aware of what they're doing and the decisions that they're making and yeah. that they are in control of them that's really good okay i have one more for you one more this one you can kind of take in a few different directions i'll see where you take i'll see where Ooh, you good. run with the stallion Ooh. all right yeah wild stallion in the head yep. yes okay um fact or myth you need to niche down your business or skill sets to be successful Ooh. so you, so i'm going to take this as specialize okay so niche down to me is specialized. Okay. Oh no, it depends on the person. It depends on the industry and it depends on so many things. Yeah. So yes and no. Can you say yes and no? I'll allow it this time because for you, I feel like in like wholesaling and real estate, it would be more yes. Yeah. yeah that's, and that's, and that's where I was going with that. Yeah. Was if you're going to start somewhere in business, if you can niche down to something that you can focus on and get really good at and become the best at that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. At least really good at it. Yeah. That people will trust you with it. Like, yeah. That's a great way to start and build momentum. Yeah. But when I think about specializing, I like to think about the coming from an athletic background, coming from a baseball background. Like I like thinking about the person who, like, say in football, they play both sides of the ball, right? Yeah. I'm thinking about, like, Deion Sanders, you know what I mean? Multiple sports, play both sides of the ball. Like, that person wasn't – like, he's not specialized. He's just a special athlete. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 think about, I think about that type of person, that type of player, especially in business, too, because once, it's funny. Once you get good at something and you actually learn the principles of business, what's the first thing that you do? You branch out. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm going to do different types of real estate. And then I'm going to have earned income re- invest in my real estate. Yeah. And then you start branching out and building. So it's really about understanding business principles and understanding yourself. So that's a really good question. See, I'm going to go yes, no, fact, myth. <laughs> perfect. Okay, awesome. Yeah, because yeah, like if, if we're talking about me, I'm a photographer and I do weddings and seniors and like mm-hmm. i'll dabble in a little bit of families i really like maternity so i started doing that recently yeah but most photographers you look like you have so many wedding photographers there's a million and one wedding photographers that are only wedding you either have a senior photographer you have your maternity photographer who's like in a studio or you have like your birth photographers um or creative or sports like nolan over there our producer he's a sports photographer hey sports guy yeah and you have like your niche thing or a concert photographer mm-hmm. me I'm like, I love weddings, but I also really like seniors and I'll do maternities and I'm successful in my own eyes doing all of those in the place that I'm at in my life right now. Maybe there'll come a day where I'll only do weddings. And you've even had your own studio before. Yeah, I've tried the studio route. Creative, your selfie. 
Yeah, I had what a selfie museum. The selfie museum was still... Do you want to explain it really quick? I had a selfie museum, which is basically... It's a studio with a million different like setups and backdrops, kind of, like all different themes. And so people could pay... It was $20 for an hour per person to come in, and you just get an hour in the studio, and you can take pictures of all of the different setups. You know, I went under contract on that building to sell it today. Yeah. So it's a good day. I tried to sell that building to you for... <laughs> what? 90 grand less than I, I didn't understand value at the time. I tried. You did try. I tried. I was just a little girl. I was only 17. You were not 17. You were not. Was I not? I was 18, maybe. 17. I was 17 or 18. You were not 17. Todd, it was 2020. It's 2023, and I'm 20 right now. You were. You. First of all, you had to be 18 to lease it from us. So if you're old enough to lease it, you're old enough to buy it. You had your own LLC and everything at that point. <laughs> yeah, don't don't side eye me like that makes a lot of sense, Batman. And you're it was about 2021. To be, and you're about to. First of all, it was 21. I forgot because 20 was COVID. 20, yeah, 2020 was. All right, a, I was 18. It was an instant I was paperweight for a year. I so was 18. I think you might have been 19. No, I was 18. It, I graduated college that. I graduated high school that year. You were about to turn 21. Quiet. <laughs> In like Silence. five days. Silence. Okay, all right. I was 18. <laughs> all right. I think you were 19, but either way, yes. I'm sorry. I have a victim complex complex at this very moment. <laughs> I'm mad that I didn't buy the building. I will admit it. I am at fault. It would have been a good one. It would have been a good one, but I didn't do it. it but I one. was 18. Yeah, no, it's fine. You just made 90 grand. I understand. Continue. Well, I made more than that, but anyways. Uh, I no, missed you, out on 90 you grand. Would've. You would have. Opportunity would've. cost. Yeah. I, yeah. Good example of it, actually continue um yeah so you wait you just explained your selfie yeah i explained the selfie museum and i we just were talking about how i um i don't i didn't really niche down too far and there's oh i get a lot of side eyes for it like you do everything i don't do everything there's things i don't do like i don't do newborns i refuse there's no newborns but like you know what's interesting about you not niching down to the point of like you only do one thing in photography is it's really a measure of your value, which is what we talked about at the very beginning. Like to bring this full circle, like you have a true value that you have some diversity. You have a skill set that's able to branch out and be a few different. What would you What would you call it? Focuses. Yeah. You can have a you few niches. Yeah, you can have a few different focuses or niches. Like yeah, I think that comes down to your work ethic too. You continue to get better every single day. Yeah. If you are by your definition of success now, aware of the actions that you're taking every single day to get the results that you have, you're doing that. That's think, why you have more uh, opportunity. I think a lot of people will, they bring up the saying like just jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Oh, man, that could have been a factor myth. <laughs> yeah. That could have been this one. Yeah. That could, that, that really, yeah, that really that's what been. this is. It's just jack of all trades or master of none. But I don't think that's true. No, I don't think so either because I know your father and he's a master of like 97 different things in real he estate. He is the jack then, of all trades and he is the master of he is all of them. He's unbelievable at all of them. Yeah. My dad, yeah. if you could literally hand him the materials for a house and he would build it from the bottom up. It's actually unbelievable. Like electric, plumbing, the 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 mechanics the mecha- the, layout, yeah, the, the we don't we don't know houses like that but yeah i was about to say I we, we don't know because we're not him yeah we only invest in him. i don't know <laughs> i don't know anything about real estate <laughs> say how does how does this work like the house i walked with him today what's it gonna how do you fix that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah he's he's great he's the guy that you give a toothpick a paper clip and a piece of chewed bubble gum and he builds you a mini mall <laughs> like how'd you do that <laughs> 
Like, yeah, exactly. So he, and he's not the master of any, he didn't go to school for electric. Like he's not an electrician. He didn't go to school for any of it. No, he didn't go to school for anything. Yeah. I didn't go to school for photography. I know. You're too busy building it on your own. Yeah. Yep. So we had some facts and some myths there for everybody. We did. Those were, those were good. I liked those. I liked those better than the first ones, I think. Thank you. I'll take a bow next to the Reddit stories that are killing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. People really like the Reddit stories. I'm getting good at this podcast thing. Yeah, see, like, that's another thing, is we weren't very good at it at the beginning. Yeah. Right? And I like to think that we're getting better. You yeah. guys can tell us in the comments below if you're still sticking around. If you think we, we're if you're bad, don't tell me. If you're part of the 20% retention that's all the way at the end of this video, right, on average, put a comment down below and let us know if we're getting better or not, because it would actually mean a lot to know. I want to know who that 20% is. So if you're part of that 20%, tell me. Yeah, and actually tell us who you are. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I want to know. I like that. I like that thought as well. Because they're here right now. They're watching to this point. I know. So. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So statistically, we have about 20% at the very end of each video, you know, an hour in. I want so. your name. <laughs> your name? I want your government name and your address. Yeah. Social security Social number. number stool, stool sample. What type. <laughs> so. Okay. I think we did it. Yep. We did this it has been real. Myths. Bust. Busted. <laughs> oh, please end with that. Yeah. <laughs>